0: I was uh, looking at some stuff yesterday, and I saw this van in the parking lot, and it's for a Cajun restaurant in downtown Kent, and anybody like Cajun food? Yeah, so Cajun is uh, totally Louisiana area, and so it's just, it's the, it's the okras and the gumbo, and they actually have, they serve gator there, um, catfish, shrimp, etouffee, all that stuff. So I saw the van in the parking lot, and I was like... I need to go visit that place. And so, um, so I came home, told Cleo about it. And so um, about eight hours later, guess where we're at? We're standing there in this little place. It's a little grocery store with all these spices and stuff that you can only get down in the south, but they're actually here in Kent, Washington. And um, talked to the owner, Neil, and just had a great time. We ordered our food and sat outside um, and just had this great time, Cleo and I. And then around the corner, we could hear some music in the park. And we're like, wow, that's really rare for now, right? Because nobody's outside um, doing anything. And so we couldn't quite hear what they were playing because there was music at the restaurant outside on the parking lot. So again, I was just feeling blessed that I can actually sit down and have dinner with my wife. And we actually have money. Well, it's a card. And hopefully we have money at the end of the month to, you know. And I was just feeling blessed. And, And so we got out. And as we were talking to the owner, and I was... Just say, hey, God bless you. And he's like, oh, hey, do you go to church? So we had this conversation. It was just one of those divine moments, you know. And then he said, hey, and I said, yeah, we're going to walk over or drive over to that where that band is playing right across the, across the way. He goes, oh, yeah, they're a gospel band. And uh, so we went over there, and it's an African-American uh, gospel band playing in this park, and it's about a five-piece and this angel of a woman singing And unfortunately, they were just finishing, but we weren't really sure what they were doing because it was right about 7 o'clock. And apparently, they're out there every Saturday from about 3 to 7. So, guess where I'm going to be next Saturday? Um, Well, I'll be eating catfish and sitting in the park. But, yeah, so we were there, and um, we just pulled up, and we rolled our windows down. And they were all just in the circle with their hands raised, and they were just praying for our city and for our area. And it was... I mean, I'm like a, almost 100 yards away, and I could just feel just the presence of God. Just So, we, you know, just sitting there where Cleo and I are, like, talking, but we're also kind of quiet, and you can hear them, like, prophesying and over the city, just like in this free worship time, and, and you can even hear, like, tongues being spoken in the park. And, um, and there's just the band and two people standing, <laughs> standing there just happened to be walking up, and just they prayed for those, those men that were there, and then the young woman just let out in this song, a cappella for like almost 10 minutes. Um, And it was just like, wow. So they unplugged the generator. We're still sitting there. I was kind of just like stunned. Like, is this really happening in our city? And and so I just like shouted out the window, thank you, you know. And uh, they looked and like, thank you for being here with us. And And my, you know, Krista's phrase is awesome. Her phrase lately is awesome. I guess my phrase lately is so good. So the catfish I had yesterday was so good. But what was so much gooder was being in God's presence, recognizing God's presence, because we're always there, but just being with them. And so I waved and just said, so good. And we were like, praise the Lord. And we were both saying it at the same time. And. And uh, I just want to go back and join um, people in our city praying for our city and just spending time in God's presence. It was just so good yeah. teleport, uh... so it's uh if you it's off right off central and and Kent um and central and and Meeker, one block in Central and Meeker. Uh, it was just really, really good and I just it was it reminded me of I got home and I was just like, I had to do my homework assignment because i Promised a couple people that I'd read Acts 17 through 19, and then I just kept reading 20, 21, 22, and 23. But I said I would do it, and uh, and I was just like just caught up in this caught up in this moment, which is the song she was singing, and just saying, God, I'm so thankful that even in the midst of craziness, hard times, um, that Your presence is so obvious, and and the word lately. Um, and I'd been praying, and it, it, hap- it happened here yesterday morning at our 6.30 prayer time, the word tangible came up. And then when that young man was praying over our city, he said, God, would your presence be tangible? And I was like, yeah. So I was just so thankful. And I just wanted us to stop for a moment. Jesus said that his house, and this is his house, would be a house of prayer. And so I know we prayed. Ashley prayed this morning. Um, I prayed earlier this morning. Uh, Marcy prayed this morning, uh, but we're going to pray as a church. And I want us to not look at the negative, but I want us to do the hard work, and I want us to be thankful and look at the things that God has given us during this time, the things that He is doing. We want to praise Him for the things He is doing during this time. And so just as a church, can we just stop for a moment? And I just invite you to pray, and I want you, I invite you to pray out loud and if you don't feel comfortable praying in English, then I invite you to pray in the language that God has given you, in the culture that you were raised up in, because language is welcome here. And I want us as a church just to thank God for the things that he is doing and the things that he is blessing us with. And so can we pray?
1: Where sin abounds, your love, your grace, and your presence much more abounds. Father, that is, God, what we stand on, that you abound, and you are present in a greater way than the enemy or any of his forces. You, Father, bring in your forces. Your legions of angels just, Father, cover this city You go cover our neighbor, cover our nation lord just move upon people's hearts how they tell us the holy spirit convicts many of sin righteousness and judgment father may that conviction. father enable people to see that you are calling that you are alive that you are tangible that you are present and risen in this world father may news to, these, to our nation, to our city, to our neighbors, all around, Father. May the enemy's devices, Lord, you and be confounded, infused, and not, Father, bear any uh, witness, Father, in the name of Jesus upon you, Lord, the city. We believe, Father God, that you are greater in us than he's in the world. For God, yes. just compel us. that we look by in the faith and we see that your will is to save people, to bring them into your fold, to enable them to see the light of your presence. For our living water, oh, we ask, Father God, the people we sin, that we may have To it, and I pray that um, we would just be alive to your presence in creation, all around us as things are changing. That our eyes oh, thank you, God, that we have eyes that, that, to see and ears to hear, yeah. hands to raise to praise you, God, so that we have lips to share good news and to uh, bring you praise, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your creation that speaks regardless of everything else that is shut down, that your creation is not shut down, God, and that you right. speak so the skies, the heavens, the, our gardens, the trees, everything, Father. Thank you, Lord, God, that you are speaking God. Thank you. Jesus. God, I thank you that
0: you invite us to come with confidence, and so we come with confidence this morning. And you say we can receive mercy and grace in the exact time that we need it. And so I pray for my family and my friends. I pray for those um, that I don't even know in our community that need your mercy and that need your grace. And so, Lord, we come and intercede uh, on their behalf. And we come in confidence. And Lord, we ask, would you open their hearts to you? Would you draw them to yourself? And would your word go forth, and would you, man, just like what Bill prayed, to God, that your will would be done, and that is that hearts would be saved, that eternities would be changed, that lives would be rescued, healed, and restored. God, that is our prayer as a church, and we pray that you would show us, that you would give each one of us vision on what part are we supposed to play, what are we supposed to do, how are we supposed to be light in the community you've called us to be in. And so whatever that is, God, we want to follow you and we want to obey. And Lord, I pray for my, my family here and who are watching at home that God, you would really show us, that you'd give us revelation. Even if it's waking us up in the middle of the night, like you did with her, our friend Ashley. But God, that you would show us revelation, that you would be speaking to us Lord, your word says that in the end times you'll pour out your spirit. And so, Lord, if this is the end times we got, we pray that you'd pour out your spirit, that hearts would be moved to you, that that souls would be saved, that we would know your presence and know that you are with us even when it is difficult, even in the lonely, even in the dark, even in the weary we would know that you are with us. And we hang on to your promises this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, we are in the book of Acts still uh, this morning. Uh, we're in chapter 20, so I encourage you to follow along and read. We're going to actually jump around a little bit this morning again. We're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 20. I mean, Paul is on the move. Where he's, uh, he's going through all these different cities. He'll hit at least 49 cities um, as he's going through, working his way towards Rome. He doesn't know if he's going to get to Rome, but he's hoping to go to Rome to share the good news of Jesus with the emperor of the known world. And so um, he knows he has to hit, he's just following Jesus. What he knows is he's following Jesus and going to where God is leading him. And there's places that he wants to go as we read the book of Acts. And then God says, nope, I don't want you to go there. And then he go, ends up going somewhere else. And it's just always perfect timing. God's timing is always, always perfect. So he's really on the move. He's going all over the place and he's just hitting it and he's right there and doing it. And it's pretty amazing. I've been everywhere, man. So I would say this is like Paul's theme song, right? So sorry for those of you, that was just for me personally. I was sitting in my office, and I saw Eric pull in every day, and I'm just reading this passage where it says, Paul was compelled to go, and he's hitting all these cities, and then Eric pulled in, and that song popped into my brain. And so he walked into my office, and we started talking, I said, hey, what do you think if we play this song? And he was like, good idea. So if you don't like that song being played at church, it's Eric's fault um, this morning because he's in charge of the sound system. But isn't that true? Paul is literally like, just laying his life down for the gospel and saying, I want everybody to know this good news. I want everybody to know that God, the God that we have served, talking about his Jewish culture, the God that we have served for all these years has come and he has offered us new grace. He's offered this grace this new grace in the, in the form of Jesus, right? And new mercy. And so all these things. Well, speaking of mercy and grace, the poor little one out there. I hope they're okay. God is doing all these things in the, in the life of Paul. And he's bouncing from city to city. He's, on, he's walking. He's all forms of transportation. If you look at the maps, he's on a ship a lot. He's on boats, bouncing around that whole Mediterranean area. And uh, he'll actually get Into a couple issues in the next few weeks. Uh, There's no three hour tour involved, but he's, he's, it's happening. And uh, I was just, I got to thank him, you know, he's going from country to country, city to city, uh, sharing all these things. And he has such a heart for people that sometimes he gets a little long winded when he speaks. And I was just like, well, sometimes I get a little long winded, but I'm not that long winded. And so, one of the things I love about the Bible is just it's um, it even provides a little quirkiness for us, a little uniqueness for us, um, a little weirdness sometimes even. So I was recently talking with a friend, and I was I made some just off comment about Eutychus. I said, "Yeah, you know, it's like that poor Eutychus who fell out of the window while Paul was preaching," and they were like. I've never heard that before. And I'm like, you've never heard that story before, so I got to share that story. And then we're studying the book of Acts right now, and we're at chapter 20, and I thought, well, there's Eutychus. So we're going to read the story of Eutychus uh, this morning. And So we're in chapter 20, page 956, if you have one of the black Bibles in the back. (laughs) We're just going to start at verse 7. It says, on the first day, so Paul, remember, he's traveling all over the place. On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, uh, we came together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. I have about 12 and a half hours to go, okay? There were many lamps in the upstairs room uh, where they were meeting, which is kind of cool. It kind of sets the ambiance. Verse 9, seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on and on. Okay, confession time. Now, be really honest with me. How many of you have fallen asleep during church? <laughs> Bakhtiar, are you falling asleep during church? You sure you weren't praying? <laughs> um, man, I fell asleep one time in church uh, Long, focus on the family, if you remember that video series on the Sunday night church service. I mean, I was out. It was over, lights were on, people were walking around, and I'm just like this. Someone woke me up, and I, was, and I think the first words out of my mouth was, I wasn't asleep! You know, I was like 17 years old. Um, but I've almost fallen asleep several times in church, and the church I grew up in... Um, we had pews, and they had two pews up on the stage, one on this side, one on this side, and the, the, the poor associate pastor during the sermon would have to set up on the pew. Have you ever seen that before? So the pastor, the other pastor's staff sits up here, and that poor guy, once in a while, would we'll get the nods, you know, and so we're not even paying attention to the sermon. We're just seeing how long it takes him to fall asleep, but he was telling us one time, he said, man, it's a struggle sometimes, because I've got, you know, three kids, and Yesterday was rough, and so he said sometimes he would get in the contemplative look like this, and then he'd just bite his finger. So he'd stay awake. Um, No cameras back then, so we couldn't really see that, but you know, sometimes, you know, chewing a piece of gum or whatever it might have to be. But Eutychus falls asleep here because Paul is going on and on. And why is Paul going on and on? It's because he has such a passion and desire for God's people to walk with God. And Paul knows that he's on this journey, that he's going to be moving on. And in Paul's mind and in his heart, and in fact, he says that if we, if we had time to read the whole passages, all the passages this morning, he says, I will never see you face to face again. And so he wants them to know as much as they can know and grab onto as much as they can grab onto before he heads out of town. And so that's why sometimes Paul gets a little long-winded. It says Eutychus was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from a third story window and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and and put his arms around him. And don't be alarmed, he said, he is alive. Then he went upstairs again, and, and they broke bread and they ate. And he talked until daylight. He left and the people took the young man home and alive and were greatly comforted. I love, so here's kind of the quirky here, right? So this, they just see this massive miracle. The poor kid falls asleep. He's raised from the dead and then they go up and have a snack. They go to eat together and then they study more together because they know Paul's leaving the next day. And so Paul actually does leave. He he moves on and yeah, he heads to to Ephesus, and he's meeting with, with them, and all the stuff is going on in Ephesus. And uh, Paul knows, again, that he's going to be leaving, and this is going to be the last time he sees them. At that time, he doesn't know that he'll be in prison and that he'll write them in a letter, which is the book of Ephesians. He doesn't know that at this point. So again, he's given them everything that he has because he has such a heart for them, and he wants, he wants them to be okay. And he actually... Um, warns them in this passage as well. But I want you to to pick up in verse 20. And Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, the leaders, those who are there. And he says, You know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith. In the Lord Jesus. And that's what's going to get Paul in trouble, as we see in a little bit. What gets Paul in trouble is not that he's just sharing this good news. It is news that's not so good to those who are so caught up and wrapped up in their culture and in their beliefs and in their own religion. But what he gets him really in trouble, what infuriates everybody, is the fact that he, a Jewish man, would go outside his culture and would care and love on people who are not like him. that really is convicting to us today, at least to me, that sometimes I get so caught up in my own community, in my own culture, in my own bubble, that I forget that I need to get outside of that and love and care for people who don't look like me. That's why Paul gets in trouble. And he says, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. Verse 22, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He just steps out in faith. I know God's calling me to go. I'm going to go. I've been warned it's not going to be good, it's not going to be pretty, but I'm going because God has compelled me by the Spirit to go. Verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit has warned me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, now I want you guys to capture this because this is not the American dream of Christianity here. Because Paul says in verse 24, I know I've been warned. Even the Holy Spirit himself has warned me. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Paul says, it doesn't matter what happens to me. That's up to God. My task, what God has called me to do, is to go and share the good news of his grace with people, that God loves them, that he cares for them, and they don't have to be caught up in this their own religion or even in their own culture, but God has way more. He's way bigger than we can't even think of. And He is Christ's word. He is awesome. He is all those things. And, and Paul just says, "My life here during this, this temporary time does not matter. What matters is that I obey and that I do the things that Jesus called me to do. And that is just not a message we hear all the time in America. And I've prayed those prayers God. You know, I, I love my house and my car and my truck. I love my couch. I love my spot on my couch, you know? I love to be comfortable. I like those things. It's, and sometimes I get caught up, oh, man, I got I feel blessed because I have those, and I am. But I'm not supposed to stay on that couch. I'm not supposed to rest in the comfort of having those things. I'm still supposed to accomplish the things God's called me to do and look past my possessions, look past my comfort and say, God, I want people to know Jesus. And am I willing to do whatever it takes for them to know of your grace and of your mercy? And man, when I saw that band out there in the park and and someone told me, um, there was a guy sitting across the way with his window down and when he was pulling away, they yelled out, see you later, Mr. Johnson. And so there's nobody on the road. And so I said, so I just yelled out to, hey, are they here every week? He goes, I don't know. This is my first time. But they came over and met him and knew his name. He said, they gave me this fire. They say they're here every week. And I was just thinking, man, this group of young people who are giving up their Saturday. Saturdays are precious, right? To go out and worship and pray over our city. I was just like, man, they're just laying their life down on behalf of others and, and sharing the news of God's mercy and his grace with people. And so Paul is doing this, and we see this. If you read this whole passage, then you know, he goes on to say, hey, I'm giving you everything that I have, and, and I want to warn you. I've spent three years here. So Paul, as a total amount of time, had spent three years in Ephesus, um, there for a long time, but then he bounced out, and then he bounced back in. And he spent three years total, and he's saying, hey, when I leave, I want to warn you that there will be people that will come. And he calls, actually calls them wolves. Wolves will come, and they will try to divide you. They will try to separate you. They will bring false teaching. They will try to get you to follow them instead of to follow Jesus. They will, want to make, they will want you to be their disciples. And he says, I want to warn you, be on your guard. And I just want to say, church, right now, where we're at, the enemy wants to divide what God is doing. He wants to isolate the things that God is doing. Now, hear me say this. I'm not saying that we need to stop social distancing, because I'm all about that. If I'm out in public, I wear my mask. God's not, he's not saying that. But what he's saying is we need to make sure we live in unity and be together and model what it really looks like. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So Paul really warns them and he's like, just be careful. I'm leaving. He actually even says, I'm washing my hands of it. Um, my, he goes, I'm innocent of your blood. Because he goes, I've given you everything I have and I trust God that he'll continue to do that work in you. But be on your guard. So can we as a church be on our guard? When things come and want to divide us, want to separate us, want to push us back, want us to, to just do this or do that, we need to say, I'm going to be on my guard and I'm going to do the task that God's called me to do, and that's to live in God's grace and in unity with him and with one another. So Paul says this whole thing, and we ju- jump down to verse 36. He says, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down and, with them and, and prayed. They all wept, As they embraced him and kissed him what grieved them the most was the statement when he when he said he they would never see his face again and they accompanied him to the ship chapter 21 just the first part it says after we had torn ourselves away from them we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. man goodbyes are hard aren't they anybody ever had a hard goodbye I thought of two when I, was, when I read this passage this morning. One was when my, um, my mom and Hank would come out every summer and um, they would park their RV right out in front of our house for about six weeks. It's kind of like the Christmas vacation and cousin Eddie out there in front. Don't tell them I said that because they're not like him. But, but it was great having him at our house and Hank would show up and like, hey, what do you need done? Like little house projects. And like, free labor, so we're doing stuff around the house, it's really fun, and, um, and they are there for that whole time, but man, when it was time for them to get in and pull out, it was every summer, that was one of the hardest, hardest times, and my mom would cry, and we would tear up, and I'd and just get out of here, just drive away, please, you know. The other thing I got thinking of is in 2005, we, as a youth group with Pastor Paul, uh, went to Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf in Jamaica. Um, and I don't believe, I'm looking around the room, I don't think, Ashley, you were on that trip, okay? even you're too young, you weren't on that trip, I think. Um, so we went there, as Pastor Paul's kind of last farewell, kind of like Paul's farewell as he's going uh, through all these cities, as Pastor Paul, he knew that, hey, he's going to be moving, he was moving back east, and he had gone there to this place when he was a kid, um, as a youth, and so um, he said, hey, I want... Can we spend like a year and raise the money and go? And so we learned sign language, um, basic sign language, you know, A, B, C, D, E, I forget F, F, G, H, I, J, okay, oh, J, yeah. And so, we you know, we learned all that. And then we got there. We spent like three months learning sign language. And then we got there and realized all you have to do is have a notepad and write on it yeah. and, they, and they can read it. So we're way up in the hills. I mean, Jamaica, we're way up in the hills. And you know, the kids in Jamaica that are deaf are treated like animals. Um, Many of them are chained up and rescued from cages um, because the parents just don't know what to do with them. And so this ministry comes alongside and asks the parents and the parents say, yeah, take them. And they raise these kids and they educate them. They have their own little schoolhouses and And a hurricane had just gone through there about eight months before, and so we went down and we were doing construction for the week. And you know, Cleo's painting, and um, we're doing this. Ashley, I'm not sure what job you had back then. Do you remember what you did, what project? I I ended up making cabinets, which, duh, right? right? Um, With the most primitive saw, and I think we had almost like pumped to get it going. It was scary. Um, And uh, so we're doing that all week long. And you're living there all week long, with the and the, and the kids are every afternoon you're playing with the kids and hanging out with them. And when we got on that bus, actually I don't know if you remember this, to get to to head to the airport. Now I'm a crier. You guys have already seen me do that two or three times this morning. Um, but I did not cry that day. I was the drill sergeant that day because Pastor Paul was a wreck, and it was usually just the opposite and everybody's bawling. It was just like this picture right here. They were all weeping because no one wanted, you know, no one wanted to go, and man, it was just we had to like tear uh, one other part, and all the kids were right there at the bus, and we had to tell the kids to go back, and it was just brutal. So goodbyes are tough. Goodbyes are tough, and then especially when it's like, you think it's, this is gonna be the last time, this is gonna be the last time we actually see one another and so they say goodbye, and, and Paul's off to Jerusalem. They're not sure really what's going to happen. They, they don't know if Paul's actually going to, you know, ever survive Jerusalem. And if you continue reading this story, um, it's insane. He gets to Jerusalem. They, they falsely accuse him for teaching. They do not like the fact that he's teaching uh, people outside their culture, that he's hanging out with people outside their religion, outside who they are. Um, and so they falsely accuse him. They get the crowd all stirred up. in chapter 21 and verse 30, I just want to pick it up. It says, The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops, and the whole city in Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. All I can say real quick is, Paul must have been really hard to kill is how long did it take for the news to get to the officers and then for the officers to get there? There was no 911. There was no social media. You didn't tweet the news. But the officers ended up showing up. When the writers saw, verse 32, when the writers saw that the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And so they, they try to get Paul. Um, they arrest him. They try to get him back into the barracks, but the crowd is so caught up and so crazy and so stirred up, they're yelling, get rid of this man, get rid of him, um, that the soldiers had to actually pick him up and carry him, actually carry him into the jail. And if you just continue reading through that story, you'll just see that Paul begs, can I please say something? Can I please talk for a moment? And, And so they do. So they let him talk, and when Paul begins to speak, the first part of chapter 22, Paul shares his testimony, and he says who he is. They don't even know his background. Some of them think he's some guy from Egypt, if you read the story. Aren't you that guy in Egypt that stirred up all the trouble? So Paul stands up and says, I am one of you. And this is the city I was born in, and this is the the teacher I grew up under, who was like the most well-respected teacher of the day. And Paul just lays it out. This is who I was, this is what happened to me. He shares the whole story that Adrian shared a few, few, several weeks ago, (laughs) is that, several weeks ago, about Paul's conversion, that Paul's like going to Damascus to kill and imprison Christians, followers of the way, and Jesus meets him on the road. And Paul shares this whole story. I would love for you to read it again. It's It's important for us to read it because it's in the Bible here twice. And Paul shares his testimony. They are silent because Paul is actually speaking in their language. They get it. They're like caught up in his story until we get to the very end in verse 21. And then he says this, And then the Lord said to me, Go, and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. In verse 22, The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. And so my thought is like, why are they so upset here? Because the things that Paul is sharing makes them feel uncomfortable. The things that Paul is sharing is is way beyond what they thought. They hadn't even thought about it. In fact, they were so caught up in their own world. Everything they were taught was... You stay a people, and you let other people, you just stay away from other people. And we know now that, man, that's not good. And we see that in our world right now. We see that in our world right now that, man, I don't want anything to do with those people. I don't want anything to do with those people. And we have all these fingers being pointed to those, 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 those. I would just be able to love to say, love and to, I would love to say, can't we just say we? Because aren't we we? That we are God's people. It doesn't matter what culture, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, that we are God's people. And I think it's important that the reason why important to know the reason why Paul is in trouble is because he is caring for and going outside of his culture. And I just believe that is a message for the church today that we need to model. What this looks like today. We need to care about people outside of our bubble. And our bubble might have all kinds of different backgrounds in it, different cultures in it, but it's still our bubble. And I believe that during this time, God is popping our bubble. And just for a moment, to be out in that park last night, to be actually parked on the street, and just to witness what God was doing, that's outside my bubble. But it was so good. There's my so good. It was so good. I believe that we're supposed to model this. And I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 3. It's a letter that Paul would write to the church. And he's describing this whole thing. Hey, this is the way we used to be. Before we knew Jesus, this is the way we used to be. But now in him, now in Christ, now as followers of Jesus, we live differently because here in verse 11, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Here's our treasure chest moment this morning. This is a great verse for us to meditate on, for us to... Memorized to be able to think on, to be able to soak in the reason why Paul was so passionate about what he was doing, the reason why he was compelled to go, he wanted people to live like this, to know this, that this is possible. You guys realize this is possible for us to live this way. that in Christ, we are all his kids. In Christ, doesn't matter where we come from, doesn't matter our background. In him, we are one. Amen? 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 I always said I wasn't going to preach to you that a guy that said that, but I just did. The double amen. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, let's clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We'll see that as Paul goes on in chapter 22 and chapter 23 of Acts, that he would face trial uh, with his own people and then they would ship him off uh, to face trial again. And there's this great promise at the end of chapter uh, 23 where the Lord shows up and says, take courage, I'm with you. You've spoken my word to, to my people, you will speak my word in Rome. And it's a great promise because we're going to see as we over the next two weeks as we wrap up Acts, Paul's going to need to hang on to that promise, because Paul's not—I mean, the things that Paul's going to face in the next few weeks are weeks. It's brutal. And he's does not hes going to think he doesn't even not going to make it to Rome. And so my encouragement to us this morning is the promises that God has spoken to you, either recently or maybe in the past, and you haven't seen those things come to be, hang on to God's promise for you. Hang on to God's promise for you. Maybe if somebody, somebody prayed over you years ago or, or recently, and you're like, I don't even see how that is even possible in the circumstances I'm in right now. But hang on to that promise, and Paul will need to hang on to that promise. Can I invite you to stand with me this morning? I know we're like all over the map trying to get through the book of Acts this morning, but my prayer is that you're able to grab onto a few things this morning, that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to your heart this week as you kind of go back and study through this, or as you look at um, Colossians and, and kind of chew through those verses. like, oh, I'm supposed to put on, I'm supposed to have these things, and as a church, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to model what this could look like, what his kingdom come and his will be done right here in our city what that could look like is really amazing church. That our church could look like heaven with everybody in it. All different backgrounds, all different places. That we could really be a picture of what God is doing and what God's heart is. And so God, that's what we pray for this morning. God, even in the stillness of this moment, Lord, I pray that we would hear your words to, to take courage and remember your promises. Even in the circumstances we might be in right now and, and the, impossible, the, the way it looks, might look impossible in our own brain, God, that we would trust you, that we'd have the faith to walk with you to keep going, to, to like Paul said, man, this life is temporary. I need to keep going and finish I need to finish. So we hang on to you, Jesus. We're thankful that we can walk together with one another, that you've called us to be your body, and that we can walk, we, we can make that phone call, we can send that text, we can have that cup of coffee. But God, we're thankful that you are the one that leads us. That even when we wake up in the middle of the night, that you are the one who speaks to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you'd be working in us. I pray that we'd be moved by you, that we would do the things that you call us to do. Help us to be those who model what your kingdom should look like, to put on compassion, to be patient with one another, to love one another, to love those and be patient with those that you bring into our bubble. Help us to get out of our bubble. And to love those just all around us. Open our eyes, God, that we would see the amazing things that you're doing around us. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Looking forward to seeing you soon, okay?